This is Michael Campbell. You're listening to Money Talks, brought to you by Solera Club. Solera Club is a royalty-based investment, which simply means that you get paid first. You're first in line. And, of course, there are no fees attached, which is kind of a good thing, I think, for most investors. And it's in the tech industry. So those are things you have to keep in mind when you're looking at Solera Club. But you can get more information by simply going to soleraclub.com. You know, I don't have a big ambition on money talks, by the way, or when I do my business comments. I'm just trying to encourage people to think critically. I'm trying to get people to understand the level of historical change that we're undergoing, to understand that it's not business as usual. And until we do that, we have no chance of coming up to well, with solutions, rather, that are so demanded in today's environment. But the obstacles are huge. I mean, challenging the status quo power groups that are comprised of politicians, public sector unions, the public school system, and sadly, I think way too many in the media, is a tough thing. I mean, none of it is in your best interest when you watch the actions that are going on. Of course, they tell you they are, and that's the game they have to play. They have plenty of people willing to buy in. Perhaps that's a testimonial by way to a school system that emphasizes the status quo. Now, I don't think that graduating students who are financially and economically illiterate, especially when it's so easily challenged, or or you could certainly uh, remedy that, is a coincidence. I mean, that's how cynical I've become, that I actually think it's uh, being done on purpose. You know, if our children knew how casually governments spend borrowed money that they have to pay back, if they knew the entitlement promises that they're on the hook for, They'd be screaming bloody blue murder. So better for the status quo power groups to keep them in the dark. I mean, ignorance is the status quo's best friend. But it's not just the students. I mean, if union members, for example, understood how their leaders, their own leaders, undermine the performance of their pension fund investments, I think they'd be in trouble. But instead, I've never come across even a single union member, by the way, who even knows what's in his or her pension. I mean, ignorance is more than bliss. My point is that ignorance is dangerous to your financial health. I mean, who do you think the latest billion-dollar handout to Bombardier benefited? Political fortunes in Quebec, the company's management and workers, or you, the taxpayer? Who do you think the Milk Marketing Board helps? Big dairy farmers, or you and your family, who have to pay on average $276 more for dairy products a year? And, of course, the poor can least afford it. Hey, by the way, one of the great lies in Canadian politics today is that the NDP, the Liberals, the Conservatives care about the poor. I mean, it's just too easy for me to give tons of examples of policies that each party supports, not altogether necessarily, but different ones, different policies, different parties, that hurt the poor. I mean, the party's political fortunes linked to special interests always trump the poor. You know, one of the most interesting examples are trade agreements, like the Pacific uh, Trans-Pacific Partnership, which is going to lower tariffs which will save you money on 18,000 items. Now, unless you like paying more for goods, getting rid of tariffs is a good idea. I mean, the big opposition comes from organized labor led by the Canadian auto workers, who desperately want to resist any change. And by the way, they are completely oblivious to the consequences if Canada doesn't sign on and the U.S. and Mexico do. Their opposition, along with that of their political allies, is certainly not for the general public's benefit. I mean... Do you think it's in your benefit as a taxpayer when the Liberals, for example, I mentioned last week, do do away with the Transparency Act that reveals the salaries of chiefs and council members and native bands? I mean, it's certainly not a benefit to rank-and-file band members. 
Neither is it in the best interest of union members, of which nearly 60% supported Bill 377. Now that's forcing uh, uh, expenditures over $100,000 to be revealed to the union members in a much more clear way. Well, as I say, nearly 60% uh, supported it. Now they're going to do away with it. Of course, power groups get spitting mad when any of this is pointed out. And it's nasty. And that nastiness and worse will be the hallmark of civil discourse for years to come as the uh, status quo gets under attack. I mean, think of all the things that are happening. Civil forfeiture, increased taxation, other transfers to government, increased enforcement, where you have no chance of really challenging revenue agencies around the Western world. The elimination of cash. This is a monster subject that people seem oblivious to. The elimination of cash will allow governments to track every financial move you make. Negative interest rates. We've got them in 15 countries. That's going to force you to spend and not save. And what's amazing is how many people look at the profound volatility in stock, currency, commodity markets and still act like it's business as usual. So my message continues to be, you're on your own. You want to know what the remedy to this is? Protect yourself. As financial constraints become more severe, government will increasingly protect the status quo, their own interests, while the financial ship unravels. I mean, come on, they're doing it right now in Europe. And please note that I said this very thing, this very thing, very clearly in 2010. The European welfare state is unraveling. You're seeing it now. But it's not the political elites and connected who are paying the price. So the bottom line is, hey, all we're trying to do here is get you to think critically about what those power groups are telling you, because it's not in your best interest. Money Talks is brought to you by Solera Club. More information at soleraclub.com. Just stay with me. I got Michael Levy. He's got the top three stories of the week. Plus, I got Mike's big fat idea with Tyler Bullhorn. I've got Lance Roberts. Man, this is a great show. I'm glad you're with us. Coming up, Lance Roberts. Michael Levy joins me on the line right now. Top three stories that smart people are talking about. Michael, let's hit me with my number three. Well, this one's a doozy, Mike. Alphabet tops Google, or sorry, Alphabet tops Apple as world's most profitable or valuable company. So Alphabet really is the parent company of Google. So you could say in there, Google tops Apple as world's most valuable company. But Alphabet is the new parent company, and it surpassed Apple on Monday as the world's most valuable publicly traded company, Mike. Yeah, there you go, that leapfrogging. Apple leapfrogs Microsoft. Alphabet leapfrogs Apple, and there, and there you go. I'm not sure how significant it is if there's a bigger business case being made here that somehow, uh, you know, Apple's in decline or maybe the kind of nature of the business that uh, Google is doing uh, has, has more uh, possibilities. But uh, when you just look at the numbers, eh, Mike, they're just mind-blowing well, how well, big they are, they are. They are mind-blowing. As of Monday, Alphabet took that lead over Apple. Uh, they, they held that lead only since 2010, but they are worth $547 billion, that's as of the beginning of the week, compared to Apple's $529 billion. And Mike, uh, before Apple had it, Microsoft uh, was the top company, and uh, it turned that over in 2010. And they eclipsed IBM from two decades ago, so Microsoft was there for quite a while before that Exxon Mobil, GE, General Motors, but there's yeah. only been 28 such companies or yeah, 28 such companies that have been in this top or at the top of the list 
And who knows with what Alphabet is doing or Google is doing right now, how many years they have. But some of the stuff I've been reading, Mike, says that they are going to be at the top for maybe five to ten years. So certainly a significant swap or switch. Yeah, interesting stuff. Mike, what's number two? Well, Mike, number two, Bell Media braces for U.S. advertising blitz during next year's Super Bowl, thanks to bizarre CRTC ruling. And Bell Media, which is CTV, is preparing for next year's Super Bowl 217 that they will be the la- that will be the last Super Bowl with a guaranteed audience for Canadian ads. The CRTC is going to run the complete is going to allow the complete U.S. package, including those uh, much sought after, much watched U.S. ads, because the Canadian public is clamoring for it and shutting the door on literally millions of dollars worth of revenue for CTV. You know, it's interesting. Uh, the first, of course, this is the 50th anniversary. First Super Bowl 30-second ads, Mike, were between $40,000, which if you take to today's dollars is two hundred and eighty-five grand. That's versus $4.5 million this year. It, you know, Mike, con- it, it, it's a mind-blowing figure. $5 million for a 30-second slot, as you said, four and a half to $5 million. Yeah. And some of the companies blow a half of their advertising budgets on one Super Bowl ad. And, you know, Mike, just to put it into perspective, a 30-second same ad airing during the Super Bowl on CTV is going to be about $200,000. So just listen to the numbers here. Advertisers are willing to pay six Canadian cents per American Super Bowl viewer, and that compares to about two cents for each Canadian Super Bowl viewer. So they are getting huge revenues in the United States. But, Mike, it begs the question. I am no fan of the CRTC, and that's almost a blanket statement. But how do they cherry-pick this one event, which is a huge revenue producer for CTV, and say that's the one that are going to carry the American ads? But every other show that comes cross-border and they run the simulcast here in Canada carries the Canadian ads. I just don't get it. No, I'm I'm with you for sure. What's the number one story? Well, this is huge. Again this week, Mike. Lowe's pays big premium to strike $3.2 billion deal for Rona. That's Lowe's of the United States, uh, making it a two-player game in Canada, Home Depot and Lowe's. Well, in fact, they didn't pay such a big premium. When you take a look at the total outlay in Canadian funds, Mike, Lowe's is a U.S company and they're going to be buying canadian dollars and for every u.s dollar that they're spending they get a dollar 40 worth of value in canada yeah i mean i think that is the story here i i've been asking this question vis-a-vis the broader market saying at what point do americans appreciate that our assets are completely on sale and as you say uh you know i remember when they went after rona in 2012 yeah, well, now the dollars change considerably. Where they get 40% more. And I think this is the first of many. They're going to look across the border, see quality Canadian companies, and they're going, hey, and quality Canadian properties too. I hear anecdotally that there's big buying going on in Whistler. It's the same thing. You got a huge discount with the Canadian dollar. And this just happens to be, you know, one of the big uh, highlight ones when Rona is such a well-known company. But, yeah, as you say, $3.2 
billion Canadian. Hey, that's not quite the same when you go. It's, what is it about two point three U.S. So well, no, yeah, it's discounted, this, Mike. I mean, these numbers. Uh, it yeah. looks like it's a one point four billion dollar premium to what they offered back in two twelve, one point eight uh, to yeah. three point two. But in fact, Mike. Because they have the buying power of the U.S. dollar, it's only $400 million more. But to Canadian shareholders of Rona, it's huge. Their stock doubled on the TSX when this deal was announced. So it's a, a real payday for the shareholders of Rona. But in fact, it's only costing Lowe's $400 million more. And as long as our dollar is staying down here, Canada is on sale, and you're going to see a lot of change of ownership in major Canadian properties and companies, as you say, as the months go on and the Canadian dollar stays down at these levels. Well, we'll be here to watch it there, Mike. <laughs> you have a great weekend. You too. Thanks, Mike. Take a break. Come back. Mike's big fat idea. I got Tyler Bullhorn. Stay with us. Coming up, i got a shocking stat for you. I think you're going to enjoy this one. Victor Adair will be live from the trading desk in Aussie Jurek. Talking about if you've been one of those people who've bought property in the U.S., uh, you might have some considerations to take care of there when it comes to tax time. Be aware of them. Joining me on the line right now, time for the big fat idea, Tyler Ballhorn, very pleased to have with me from StockScores.com. Tyler, I know you're joining us from afar, so it's early in the morning. I appreciate you taking the time, but what's your big fat idea? Well, my big fat idea today, Mike, is to buy an inverse market ETF on the U.S. stock market. I think uh, QID is a good candidate. That's Quebec, India, Delta. It's uh, an ETF, inverse ETF, that goes up when the NASDAQ 100 goes down. Yeah, just a little more on that part of it. Yeah, so you're thinking the market may go down, and you're looking at NASDAQ in this case, you know, with a lot of high flyers. So you buy this, and as the, as the NASDAQ goes down, you make money on it. That's right. It actually goes up twice as fast as the NASDAQ goes down. So the NASDAQ had a bad day Friday, went down 3.5%, and this went up 7%. So give you an idea of how it works. Wow. Uh, what are you seeing in the, you know, obviously with the technical analysis you do, wh- uh, what are you seeing here that you think this is uh, going to be, a, well, I mean, obviously you just had a terrific move on Friday, but is there more to come? Yeah, I think so. You know, I've been pessimistic uh, on the market since August when we started to roll over on the U.S. stock market. And then for the last month or so, it's been kind of up and down, up and down, very choppy. But on Friday, we had a breakdown from something called a bearish flag pattern. And that basically means that the attempt of the bulls to defend the upward trend failed. And we're now flirting with that break of a five-year upward trend. And, uh, you know, just looks to me like the market wants to go lower. There's really um, no sign that uh, the bulls have any strength here. Uh, You know, the action by the the Fed in, in raising rates for the first time was now being questioned. And so then they pull back and they say, well, maybe we won't raise rates four times this year. Well, that ultimately made the U.S. dollar go down, but it's breaking confidence. And I think we're going to see more weakness ahead. Yeah, especially when the Federal Reserve is saying, I may not do it. Well, there's only one reason they're not doing it. Is the economy has not recovered to the degree that they hoped it would. And worried about international factors also there. So you can see that. I mean, that's one of the reasons that I guess it's since May. I started at least recommending getting a good chunk of your money in cash 
and uh, you know sort of uh, in fact played that bottom in August but said I'm a chicken about it because I do think I, I, uh, from a different perspective but I'm finding the same kind of conclusion that I think sometimes in the markets better safe than sorry and this is one of those better safe so that's why this is such an interesting idea to actually make money through QID which is an exchange traded fund who's this appropriate for well, I mean, QID is a leveraged ETF, which means that it actually suffers some value decay over the longer term. So I think this is a an idea for shorter term traders. Now, the other thing that you have to remember is that the market tends to take the elevator down the stairs up. So corrections tend to be quick. I think the next week we're going to see this thing pop pretty significantly, maybe the next couple of weeks. But longer term, I still see that five-year upward trend broken. So ultimately, I think the market could see a few months of downward trending action. But it never goes straight down. It'll be up, down, up, down with a general downward bias. So, you know, if you're an active trader, you can move in and out of this thing um, as it cycles up and down. But even for the longer term trader, maybe a little more passive, I think it's something that could play out over uh, weeks or months. Uh, and, and yeah, you've, uh, you've sort of just answered that. But I want to reiterate for people that, again, you might want to be active with this. And this is something that, especially uh, with the swings that Tyler's just uh, alluded to, that, yeah, that you'd be kind of prepared to... Uh, like I'd be pretty impressed by the way with a 7% profit in one day on Friday but you know as you say you you might look at a period over the next week or two and you say no I'm going to get out of it and then you look for a re-entry point that kind of stuff I would assume yeah and one of the things you have to realize is that this is very volatile because it is a leveraged ETF so people need to understand where their uh, loss limit is in terms of price and let that determine your position size it shouldn't you should never take a trade that has more risk than you are comfortable with so Make sure when you look at, you know, take a look at the chart and say, okay, I'm buying, I can't remember the exact price, but let's say you're buying at 20 and it has a low point in the last week of 18. Well, that difference, that $2 difference is your risk per share. If you're not willing to lose more than $1,000, then you buy 500 shares. And you have to be very cognizant of the risk. It's a fast mover and it's a great, uh, great way to take advantage of a correcting market. But, you know, you need to do your homework to understand how they work. And you can Google leverage ETFs all day long. There's lots of videos that explain how they work. And, uh, in, you know, in 20 minutes, you can learn how that works. Well, great stuff as always, Tyler. I really appreciate you finding time for us. Great. Great to be with you. Have a good day. Tyler Ballhorn at StockScores.com. I'm going to take a break. I've got lots coming your way. Uh, and by the way, we've got a big seminar happening right at the end of the show. I want to make you aware of a big webinar. And all you have to do is you're going to go to MoneyTalks.net to get uh, sign up for that one. And it's part with uh, Patrick Serizna and Jason Ayers, Learn to Trade Global. Uh, they, they had a huge response to their thing at the World Outlook, so there's more to come on that. I'll take a break. I'll give you more information. Stay with us.